We are continuing the series of covering every Big Ten team. So don't worry if you're not a Penn State fan. I've got you covered for any other Big Ten team season preview predictions for 2023. If you have not yet, make sure you go follow me on Twitter at DonnieMac98. Follow the show at Big Ten Takeover. Subscribe on YouTube, Takeover Sports Network. And if you prefer to listen to this in podcast form, click the description. Find all the links to Apple, Spotify, all that so you can listen for free on there. So for Penn State, 2022 for Penn State, they finished season 11 and 2. They won the Rose Bowl, um, you know, captured a victory against Utah at the beginning of the new year. Uh, and they were dominant at times, but at times they were also, you know, uh, um, disappointing to say the least. They were blown out by Michigan and they couldn't close out against Ohio State. They enter 2023 with, in my opinion, drum roll, please, one if, one of, if not the most complete roster in the entire country. This is James Franklin's best team that he's had since they last won the Big Ten. Let me tell you why. When you look at reasons to be excited and you look specifically at offense first, everything, Penn State fans, you understand this better than anybody, is going to come down to the quarterback play, quarterback situation. What it's been like for the past four or five years, that's what it's going to be like in 2023, and it all comes down to Drew Aller. The former five-star quarterback is taking the reins over from Sean Clifford, since he graduated, and he has the talent to be one of the most premier quarterbacks in all of college football. He's got the, the chance to take a jump similar to what we saw Drake May take last year, in my opinion. And he's got every bit of talent around him to do so. Right? Drew Aller has all the talent himself. He's got the arm talent. He's got the size. He's got a year under a year under his belt of being in the system, not having to be the starter as an 18, 19-year-old kid as a freshman. And now he has all the talent in the committee around him. At running back specifically, we'll start there first. Nick Singleton and Catron Allen, if it was not for Donovan Edwards and Blake Corum at Michigan, I would crown them the best running back duo in college football. Nick Singleton's a beast. Um, he is. He would start on probably every single college football team except for maybe Michigan um, with Blake Corum. Donovan Edwards also, when Blake Corum was out, we saw what he did against Ohio State what he did again in the Big Ten Championship, what he did even in the playoffs. They have one of the best running back duos in the entire country to ease the load off of Drew Aller in the passing game. At wide receiver, they've got a ton of depth and talent. I know they lost Parker Washington. I know they lost Mitchell Tinsley, two names I really like, Parker Washington especially. Um, but Keandre Lambert-Smith, a lot of people think he can be the number one wide receiver there and fill in that role. That's the biggest question is who among these names is going to be the number one wide receiver because Penn State – has wanted to push the envelope at wide receiver. Um, they made a change at wide receiver coach. James Franklin wants to push that out envelope. Who was going to be take over the number one wide receiver spot? Smith is is one of those names. Harrison Wallace, the third, splashed at times last season, has the stats to to back him up that would suggest he might take a jump, big jump in 2023. Dante Cephas is a name to be really, really excited about Penn State fans. I'm sure you already are. Kent State transfer had 2,000 yards. Um, and a 12 touchdowns in the last two seasons at Kent State. I think uh, last season he had about 740 with, th with three touchdowns. year before he had nearly 1,300 yards with nine touchdowns. And, and it's not just because he was in the MAC. He is that good of a player and could be that good of a player for Penn State. And, and they have other good pieces. Malik McLean, the big body, 6'4", 6'3", 6'4", big catch radius, transfer from Florida State, Liam Clifford, Malik Maiga. They've got plenty of guys at receiver for Sean Clifford to throw to. At tight end, too, I love Theo Johnson. He's the headliner. He's the freakishly athletic tight end.
who can can follow in line and be another you know great Penn State tight end, another great Big Ten tight end. He's the headliner, but Tyler Warren right with him makes this tight end room one of the top in college. But I'm not saying it's a top five because I think there's other rooms that have better top end talent and better depth overall. Iowa specifically with Eric All and Luke Lachey is one that name one group that comes to mind. But Penn State has a top tier top. 15 tight end room. That's not top 10, maybe tight end room in college football. That's going to help that young quarterback find openings in the field, make plays, you know, in, in, in crunch time situations, experience and talent at running back receiver tight end helps Drew Aller at O-line. I, I know there was a lot of pain from Penn state fans watching it last year. And some of that was rightfully um, deserved or given out. Some of it was not. But the group is headlined by Olu Fashanu, who is, in my opinion, uh, the best offensive line in the entire country. I get a little excited talking about O-Lyman because I played offensive line for Miami University in the MAC. He is a freak. He ha- he gives me not Trent Williams vibes because Trent Williams is a freak athletic. I mean, freak athlete when it comes to playing O-Lyman. I don't think there's – Many O-linemen, if anyone in college or NFL that are at his level of athleticism for the position. But he, Olu Fashanu, is a guy that if he would have declared last year, probably would have been the top tackle or top O-lineman taken. And so he is the headliner. I think he's a top five pick next season. But the group as well returns their other four starters. They all they statistically were not a bad offensive line. They were not in the lead offensive line. They were a good offensive line statistically. And now they returned the headliner top five pick and four other guys that were starters last year, along with some of their depth pieces that had some experience last year as well. So in short, the offense for Penn State, the level of success, not their success, they're going to be successful, relatively speaking. And by successful, I mean the standard of what it's been the past couple of years that they had under Sean Clifford, because Drew Aller will not be a bad quarterback. I don't think that's possible with the cast around him. But if he's a similar level of play, if he, if he shows similar level of play to that of Sean Clifford, you're going to see a similar Penn State team and a similar Penn State offense. Uh, the, the level of success, how far they can go on offense, will be determined by him, by his progression. They have the running backs take the pressure off him in the run game. They have the O-line to protect him and then open up the holes in the run game. And they have the receivers and tight ends for him to throw to and make big-time plays. And on the flip side, they have the defense to back him up. Be one thing if Penn State had no defense. We're saying, okay, they can do all these things, but they have no defense to back them. They have a defense and a unit that I'm really excited about. Their defenses have been pretty solid and good for quite a while, but this unit and this side of the ball can take the next step and become one of the top groups in the entire country. At D-line, they're headlined by Chop Robinson, a defensive end. I think he takes a huge breakout year and has double-digit sacks. Last season, he had 10 tackles for loss, five and a half sacks. They also have three other uh, seniors that started across the D-line. So they have a uh, – and and this is the part that I want everyone to pay attention to. Is at each level they've got depth, but they've also got a headliner star or stars that that kind of um, lead the group. So depth at D-line, headlined by the rising budding star in Chop Robinson. At linebacker, this unit's got the potential to be one of the best in the entire country. Abdul Carter broke out last season as a freshman beast – was not just good for a freshman, but he was one of the best linebackers in the entire country. One of the top 10, 15 linebackers, in my opinion, in the entire country. He's the headliner. Curtis Jacobs 
is one of the best linebackers in the Big Ten. And then there's Tyler Elsden as well. So, again, you've got the headliner star, Abdul Carter, and, and Curtis Jacobs, arguably two. And you've got depth there with Jacobs and Elston. At DB, secondary. Man, Penn State just keeps pumping out DBs. They keep – I understand they lost Jair Brown. They lost Joey Porter Jr. But they enter 2023 with Kalen King, who is, in my opinion, the best returning corner in all of college football. Uh, he is a beast. He had the luxury of having Joey Porter Jr. next to him play opposite of him. But Kalen King is, is a, a player of his own and is going to prove that uh, and, and – in 2023 he has the backing of pff he's got the backing of stats i get that everybody kind of knows he's a really really good corner i don't think he's getting enough attention when it comes to the top returning players in college football some places you'll see him as a top three top five returning corner but when you get the headliners oh these are the top 10 returning defensive players you don't oftentimes see his name mentioned and i think this year you're going to see why he should have been mentioned You've also, he's also joined by Daquan Hardy at corner, Johnny Dixon, safety. They've got Keaton Ellis, Jalen Reed. So, again, a group headlined by a star, Kalen King, and plenty of depth and experience. Same thing as the linebackers, same thing as the line. Maybe Chop Robinson is not the most established star between you know all three of those position groups, but he certainly seems like he's rising to that level. So when we look at Penn State's schedule specifically, Again, this is all subjective. I press that with that every time before I show my schedule predictions. Penn State has a schedule in which I think their floor is still pretty high. And I think their ceiling is really, really high. So when we look at their schedule for this season, Penn State starts off at home against West Virginia. You know, West Virginia, I don't think be a bad team by any by any means. But I don't think they're going to be able to compete with Penn State in this game. They play Delaware. They'll blow them out. Very quickly, they get into Big Ten play in week three. They play at Illinois. No shade against Illinois. Uh, I think they make a bowl game this season. I do not think we see repeat um, success, levels of success from Illinois that we did in 2022. They lose a lot of pieces. And and just the, their schedule is not the most friendly to them. The Big Ten West only got better with Iowa adding pieces, with Wisconsin adding pieces specifically Luke Fickle and Tanner Mordecai, with Nebraska adding pieces, specifically Jeff Sims and Matt Rule. So that division only got better. Week four is where you get into a game where it's not as clear cut. Iowa is a team that I think is going to end up being about 10-2, and two, maybe 11-1, and one, um, depending on how their game against Wisconsin goes. But Iowa's a team that's going to have the defense there like usual. And their offense, which was putrid, arguably the worst in college ball last season, has uh, revitalization. They have Cade McNamara. They have Eric All. They've got no line that is going to improve. They've got Luke Lachey at tight end. They've got Nico Regina. They've got Caleb Johnson. Their offense is going to be better. And if their offense is even middle of the pack, with that defense being top 10, like I know it's going to be, I believe it's going to be at the very least, it's a dangerous team. I give the edge to Penn State because of their more completeness at every level on their team and it being home for Penn State. Week five, week five, they play at Northwestern. They blow out Northwestern. Northwestern is a team that is in trouble this season, to say the least. Week six, or the sixth game of the year, they play UMass. No problems with UMass. And what do those past two games do for them after having, you know, a couple of games where I don't think they're going to blow out West Virginia necessarily. They're going to have to play everyone through. They'll blow out Delaware. They'll, they'll beat Illinois comfortably, in my opinion. 
but they have a tough game against Iowa and in, in which I think it will come down to the fourth quarter. I think you're having a game you play at Northwestern, your starters are coming out early. UMass, your starters are coming out really early. What does that do for you those past two weeks? Well, it lets you have some fresh legs against Ohio State. I do think Ohio State wins this game. I think similar fashion to um, the edge that Penn State has over Iowa, uh, it's at Ohio State. I would assume that's going to be a college ball game day. I'm not sure what's going on the rest of the games, at least very least big noon kickoff, maybe both. Who knows what happens with that? I think Ohio State has the best offensive skill in the entire country that will press Penn State's defense uh, and will press any defense in the country, no matter who the quarterback is. And I do think that Ohio State's defense, while it will not overmatch Penn State's offense, because Penn State is very complete on the offensive side of the ball, I trust Jim Knowles and the returning talent and the returning expectations for Ohio State's defense a little more than I trust Drew Aller right now. Now, granted, if through six games, Drew Aller is balling out like Drake May was last season, this is a whole different story because I don't know if uh, Ohio State's offensive line can hold up against the Penn State uh, defense, specifically the front seven. I don't know if Ohio State's corners could hold up against a fully loaded Drew Aller and Penn State receiving core with that run game and the danger they bring. But I think Ohio State wins that game. I think Penn State beats Indiana the following game. I think they beat Maryland. Still kind of a risky game with Talia Tagovailoa, still a really good Big Ten quarterback. I think they handle that. Here's the hot take. I think they beat Michigan this year. I, this is not to say Michigan's going to fall off a cliff. And I know a lot of people have said this is Jim Harbaugh's best team and all these other questions about other contenders and Ohio State and Penn State breaking in their quarterbacks, whatever. Uh, Michigan is going to have a dominant offensive line again. They're going to have a really good defense again. They're going to have arguably the best running back duo in the country. They don't have the luxury of playing at home. It's Penn State. Penn State has that. It's going to be a wild environment, especially if Penn State is going into this game at 8-1. and one. And I think Michigan is, uh, uh, you know, a, a couple games away from not falling off a cliff, but being exposed a little bit. Because I don't think J.J. McCarthy is some elite quarterback like many are projecting to be. I don't think he's a top 10 quarterback coming back into the season. I keep seeing that from PFF and from ESPN and, and Fox Sports. I see, I see that all, and I, I don't understand it. He's not a bad quarterback by any means. I think he's the typical Michigan quarterback you've seen. The only difference is he's a little more efficient and he can run the ball with his and he can move he can run the he can move the ball with his legs. He can he has some running ability. That's about it. I think he's very similar quarterback passing ability to what we've seen at Michigan. And I think Penn State takes this. I think Penn State wins this game. I think they beat Rutgers and I think they clean up at Michigan State and finish season eleven and one. And I think this is ultimately how the playoffs are going to shake out, right? I, because if you're 11 and one Penn State fans, you're going okay. Like, yeah, we lost to Ohio State, but we beat Michigan. We, you know, we beat Iowa, who I think will be ranked. We beat Michigan, who will absolutely be a top 10 team. You know, rankings wise, you know, we beat West Virginia, who's going to be a solid team. We beat Illinois. We, you know, beat Maryland, who probably be around eight and four, seven and five, eight and four, might be ranked towards the end of the season. What does this mean playoff wise? Well, I think ultimately the playoffs are going to shape out something like this. I think Georgia or LSU will make the playoffs in the SEC. Uh, Georgia, just the standard they've had. I mean, it's ridiculous the culture they've built. Or LSU because they are loaded with Jaden Daniels, Malik Neighbors, uh, Harold Perkins, Mason Smith. They've got a really good team that could absolutely win the SEC. So one of those two teams, I think Florida State takes it from the ACC and makes the playoffs. 
I think Ohio State makes it because if they're going, I, I have them going 12-0. and I have them beating Penn State and Michigan, winning the Big Ten. I think they go to the playoffs. And then the four spot, not necessarily in that order, could be, you know, Florida State at four or whoever at four. Um, I think the four spot is going to either be USC, Washington, Oregon, one of those three teams who wins the Pac-12, or Penn State. And I say or Penn State because if Penn State is 11-1 and one like this, then you're sitting there going, okay, if USC, let's just say, wins the Pac-12, you know, with Caleb Williams performing like he did last year, maybe even better. If they're 12 and 0, Penn State's not getting in over them. Or if Washington wins it, or Oregon wins it. If they're 12 and 0, they're not getting in over them. If either of those, if any of those teams are 11 and 1, if the Pac 12 cannibalizes itself like they tend to do mid to late way through the season, you sneak a Penn State in there. That's where this happens. That's where you see. The situation like last year where Ohio State gets in over USC. The committee favors the Big Ten, rightly so, over the Pac-12 in situations like that. An 11-1 Pac-12 champion is not going to get in most of the time from what they've shown. And in my opinion, over an 11-1 non-Big Ten champion who has big wins under their belt. Now, if it was if Penn State wasn't playing Michigan, if they weren't playing you know, um, Iowa, who I think going to be really good. If they didn't have those higher-end Big Ten teams on their slate, and if they didn't lose someone like Ohio State, but we're still 11-1, that's where it gets a little dicey. But a team like Penn State's always going to have those big-time opponents, which is going to favor them in the committee, even if they have a loss under their belt. I think this year, Penn State fans, if Drew Aller takes steps, like I think he will, I think he's going to take steps to be better than Sean Clifford already, and, and, and Aller's sophomore season, second year, then I think Penn State will have this outcome and be 11-1. and one. And I think they will be right there to make the college ball playoffs. No reason they can't. All, in the end, it kind of just determines – it kind of goes how the dominoes fall. If Drew Aller has that meteoric rise in his sophomore season, the second year, like Drake May or like other quarterbacks we've seen, then you could take even bigger steps. And by bigger steps, I don't just mean 12 and 0. I mean win the whole damn thing. The four for Penn State is nine and three, right? Their ceiling is college ball playoff winners because they have as much talent at every level, cumulatively, as any other team in the country. I'm not saying their wide receivers are on par with Ohio State. I'm not saying their their defensive line is on par with Georgia. What I am saying is that cumulatively, when you look at their defense, the linebacker, secondary, and D line, they've got as much talent and returning firepower as just about any defense in the country. When you look at their offense with their O-line, their running backs, their depth at wide receiver, a little bit unproven. I get that. Uh, and their in tight end specifically, they have as much offensive skill and offensive firepower as cumulatively as just about anyone in the country, aside from an Ohio state, and maybe a USC quarterback is what's going to decide it. And I think in the end, it will work out in your favor. Don't know if it'll be that 100% meteoric rise from Drew Aller. I think he's going to make major steps and bring Penn State to a point they have not seen in a little bit of time under James Franklin in just a couple of years. So very excited for Penn State this season. I'm very optimistic. I understand that. Penn State fans, let me know what you think in the comments. Give me your record prediction for the Nittany Lions, Nittany Lions this year. Make sure, again, you subscribe to the channel on YouTube. Follow me on Twitter at DonnieMac98. If you click the description of the link, you can go, excuse me, click the links in the description. You can go find all the links 
to a podcast platform to listen to this. You prefer to listen instead of watch. You can find the links to my Twitter, the show's Twitter, and the network's Twitter um, all in there. So make sure you go do that. For the network and the show, I am Donovan White, and I will see you all next time.